This is your favorite podcaster, Romina, and you just tuned in to RM Podcast FL. Hello, my beautiful listeners. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina, and welcome back to RM Podcast FL. It is Tuesday, so today it's the day that you get the dosage of knowledge that you need, that you did not even know that you needed. So without any hesitation, let's get started. But before we do jump into today's episode and into today's guest speaker information, I want to kind of remind you guys to go ahead and give us a five-star review if you're listening to this from Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to write a short comment and tell us how awesome we are doing. And you can now tell us how pretty we are because you can find our videos interview on YouTube, on our website, on Facebook, everywhere. We are literally everywhere, you guys. I mean, we are expanding more and more every day. So make sure to do that as well as www.connectwithromina.com. Again, Romina is spelled R-O-M-I-N-A. I hope by this time you guys know how to spell my name. But if anything, again, it's R-O-M-I-N-A. So connectwithromina.com. Go ahead and subscribe there, you guys. So you will be notified when the online course for the sales, Mastering the Law of Sales launches, you guys. So definitely make sure to stay tuned in that part. Number one, number two. Well, I feel like number three and number four now because we covered a lot already. But uh, let's jump into today's guest speaker, actually, Michael J. Colburn. Um, He is the president of Colburn Associates, you guys, and this episode will teach you a lot. I mean, some things that you learn from this episode is how can you convert an entrepreneurship idea into sustainable growth? The three-step approach on building relationship with a client, the importance of understanding yourself and your skills, the five principles of self-management, how to teach the five principles of self-management virtually. Can everybody self-manage themselves. I mean, it's it's a lot, you guys. It is about an hour episode total. Make sure to take your pen and your paper. And if you do want to see the video version of the interview, go ahead and do so on YouTube, on Facebook, and on www.connectwithromina.com. It's a lot of information, you guys. Definitely exactly what you need for 2021 goals, especially if improving self-management, it is one of your new year goals. I'll let you guys enjoy the interview. And uh, I got nothing else to say, but uh, enjoy. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to RM Podcast FL. Yes, just like I said on the intro, this is your favorite podcaster, Romina. It's Tuesday, and we got a a new guest today. We got Michael Colburn. Hi, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing just great, Romina. Happy Tuesday, first and foremost. And I want to thank you for being a part of the show. And without hesitation, I definitely want to pass on the mic to you to tell us how awesome you are, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit more of what you do. Well, my name is Michael Colburn. Um, I'm a, uh, my background, I'm actually an industrial engineer by my training, and I worked uh, several years in that. And then I went out on my own as a consultant, uh, working mostly with uh, closely held companies, uh, companies anywhere from 10 to $100 million, and really helping them to... Uh, move from that entrepreneur stage to sustainable growth. Um, And so um, I went back to school and I got my master's in industrial uh, and systems engineering and management of human resources, kind of combined them. And I got my doctorate in adult education. 
And when that all happened, I really found that my work with my clients was much more integrated with the human element as well as the more technical element. And then they gave me an opportunity when I was getting my uh, graduate work to teach. Uh, I was, and I fell in love with teaching. And so um, what I started to do, even when I got my doctorate, I went back to my consulting work, but I started teaching in the evening time in various colleges. And then one of them offered me an opportunity to be a regular faculty member. And the last 10 years or so of my uh, work career was doing that. Loved it, taught business students, uh, MBA students, and undergraduate students in a number of topics. So um, during that time, I started writing things for my students, because sometimes I'd read the book and it wasn't quite there. And so I'd write things for my students, and I have a whole bunch of papers that I wrote mostly for my students, although I've written some, you know, for, for academic and professional journals and trade journals. And that really got me interested in writing. And then I wrote my first book, um, uh, Own Your Job, Five Tools for Self-Management uh, and Accountability in the Workplace. And that's kind of my passion right now, to get the good word out there and people how to, how to own their own job and take control of their career. And I think that's super important, especially, and we're going to focus on today's interview, too, towards the self-management, the principles that you that you break it down. It's very essential, I would say, especially now more than ever, working from home or working independently with not the boss kind of looking at you all the time. Right, um, right. It's very important. But before right. we do jump to that, I do have a question because you say you focused into helping entrepreneurs, how to go from that entrepreneurship or side hustle spirit into sustainable growth. And as much as, you know, with many job losses that we have uh, because of COVID, we also have seen a side of people that are finally launching their dream or their passion and their, you know, their entrepreneurship spirit is coming out. Right. But what advice would you give to those people towards not just, you know, working like crazy and, but actually like converting that, those leads or those contracts or, you know, or that product they're working on converting into an actual profit at this point? What did you suggest somebody bring you in the business? Well, I've been asked by many people, a lot of times they're my students or, or colleagues or clients, and who really want to go out for business for themselves. And I think that's great. We want to have an entrepreneur spirit. And um, one thing I would tell them is to, um, very often there is a, a need that they have that they can fulfill. And one thing I said, you need to check out to make sure that that need, which is probably quite valid, it's a perceived need <laughs> that people really know they want it. So I really have them do a lot of informational interviews, talking to people and, and asking the, the hard questions about what it takes to be really good at something mm -hmm. and, and to launch that. Interesting, I was uh, talking with a colleague of mine yesterday who was also an entrepreneur and an academic. And um, uh, we're talking about uh, the relationship with a client. And I found that that to develop a client relationship, because I had long-term relationships with my clients, and I found it's kind of a three-step approach. You know, the first early meetings is I have a blank sheet of paper with me, <laughs> and I go in, and I and they, typically they will have um, a, a, an issue they're dealing with. Maybe it's profitability, maybe it's turnover, maybe it's quality, and very often they will give me an assumed cause of the problem. Mm -hmm or an assumed solution. And those are the presenting problems. And my experience has been, it's never quite that, <laughs> you know? 
it's not that they're not telling me the truth, but they're just telling me what they're feeling. And so I, instead of saying, I don't think you're right, I'll just have, tell me more about this. What are the symptoms? What are the issues that you're dealing with? And after that conversation, it's really to find out the beginning to find out the underlying issues that, that they're going with. For example, uh, you know, they may say, I think we need a better compensation system to retain employees. Well, I said, well, tell me why you think that's important. And so that first interview mm -hmm. is, uh, and sometimes it's a series of interviews, is to really to, to dig deep into the underlying issues that sometimes I haven't thought about. And I think one of the strengths I have, which is important for new entrepreneurs, is really understand yourself, is to do good diagnostics. So then I would come back and my second step would be what we call, I would call a concept proposal. And a concept proposal is, here's what I heard you say, mm -hmm. here's some issues that are coming up, here's the approach that I think I suggest you take at this point. And I say concept proposal because something in the second meeting always turns up that wasn't in the first one, you know? And, and, uh, and so I don't even put a price on it, but I, I wanna have a good idea of my approach and is this a good fit for us? So I never try to close the sale very fast. And, and then based on that, sometimes there's some changes in, that, in, the, in the proposal and I'll re review it. And I said, well, let me get back with the final proposal. So when we get back to the final proposal, it's pretty much understood they're gonna go with it. You know, the first meeting where I'm asking all the questions, I build credibility with my questions which is much more important than your answers. I, I love it. it. It kind of reminds me of like the sales funnel. Um, I recently, well, I'm working on an online course for sale for sales funnel, which is more like a business development. Right. What I hear is early meeting, you know, there's an issue, you deeper question it, you try to get to the root of it, not necessarily give your opinion, but try to, you know, okay, well, what do you like? Why did this, you know, what makes you think this issue is going for and try to have them come up with the solutions. And then you go in and present, your perception because you know like hey this is what we can do and then do the close right I, I think the power of questions is much more strong in influencing than the power of answers because then the ability to truly listen and they have to be true questions mm -hmm. not manipulative questions they have to be questions that you really want to know the answer and what i found is that very often the person by answering the questions discover things they didn't even know you know so it helps Good questions help people think. And, and I have to give them chance to think, you know, and, and to listen intently to what, what they're thinking and saying. And I think in that first meeting or two, it's really the psychological sale. At that point there, that's when they want to work with you. Even if the proposal doesn't go through, they want to work with you, you know? And, and at that, I learned that I, one of a, I was working, had an opportunity to, uh, talked with a Honda Motor Company years ago. And I was invited to a, a presentation of a number of suppliers. And I made a proposal. Mm -hmm. They got back with me and said, Michael, and this was when the early days of Honda here in Central Ohio. And they said, Michael, we really like your proposal. But there's a lot of people from the University of Ohio State there. And they said, but we decided to go with another one. Um, because we really want to develop a relationship with them, but we want to encourage you to keep making proposals. So I said to them, I said, so does that mean I'm always going to be working under a handicap system? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to do that. And he said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Well, sure enough, a few months later, they gave me a call 
And I got a contract I was working with them for about three years, you know, which is exciting. So, so don't, even though we don't make quote the sale, sometimes we really have made a sale. Yeah. Right? And, and I think it's very important. Like you mentioned, like sometimes patient is super critical on this type of contracts or entrepreneurship spirit, because what I've seen people or especially like nowadays on LinkedIn, for example, like when those cold sales or cold messages, cause I, I understand people, have ideas and they want to run a business, but you have to work and you have to be patient and show that you're actually what you're going to be able to offer them. Because if you try to say, Hey, like I get messages sometimes like, Hey, you have a podcast. We're going to promote your podcast, make it number one podcast in the world, but this is our monthly. So typically my reply is thank you so much for reaching out. Which episode did you like the most? And what do you, why do you think my podcast has the potential to be the number one in the world? Great question. <laughs> and I don't get messages back when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. So it's very important that, you know, that exploring stage, the discovery stage is super important. Those questions, like you mentioned. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the five principles of self-management. I did find that very interesting. So I definitely, I want to let you break down those five principles first. And then I want to focus for the audience towards how we can do this with in-person and virtual since we're technically living on a virtual world right now. I don't know when we're going to go back to the real world. Uh, you know, I hope everything opens up soon because I'm a hugger and I miss hugging people. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like, let's talk to everybody. Let's have parties. But uh, let's talk about the five principles. Um, I'll let you go over them. Well, first, let me start with my definition of self-management. Self-management is the ability and the will to work in the best interest of the company without requiring uh, any external consequences to motivate your behaviors. So it's really based on intrinsic motivation. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think there should be external rewards. But if, if a person needs external consequences to do, their, do what they're supposed to do, then that's not a really good start for self-management. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the simple definition I have. That, that, so what I found is there's five fundamental principles that are the foundation of effective self-management. The first one, I work for the customer. I don't work for my boss, actually. I'm accountable to the boss, and that's important, but I work for the customer. It's a value I create for the customer that really makes a difference. And a lot of people in organizations, they say, well, I don't have any contact with the customer. Well, actually they do. There's different kinds of customers. You have the external customer who receives whatever your organization is giving, but you also have internal customers. And so I have people identify who their inner internal customers are, and those are the people that we provide services, products, information to, to help them do their job for the ultimate customer. So I work for the customer is a fundamental uh, principle of self-management. And I think that starts, that helps people starting thinking more like an entrepreneur too. Second one, second principle, I manage my own performance. It's not my job. It's not the boss's job to manage my performance. It's my job to manage my performance. Therefore, I have to be accountable. You know? And when I think of accountability, uh, I'm accountable when I'm making clear commitments, when I take the responsibility to give feedback on my performance first, you know, and then third, I own the consequences, good, bad, or indifferent. 
So the self-manage is to, I, I manage my own performance. And you can start seeing when you have those principles, this with the next principle I'm going to share with you, helps change the fundamental relationship between the job holder and the person who reports it. So the third one. Third principle is my boss, and I'm using quotations around that, my boss and I are partners in performance. You know, we have a partnership. Often I'll ask people to talk about their best boss and they tell stories. And what comes out very often is a collegiality. There's a respect and collegiality there. They're working together. And, and that, and I think about some of my best bosses, that was always the case. The fact that there was an authority piece there was almost secondary to the fact that we have, we have common goals and we're working together for success, always for the organization and its customers. Mm -hmm. okay. The fourth one, <laughs> I am loyal to the truth. <laughs> you know, so, um, and when I'm loyal to the truth, I don't try to make excuses. I don't try to make spins, you know, I'm loyal to the truth. And, and I, if there's going to be bad news, I'm going to be the one that's going to share it. I say, so Ramina, I, I worked on this project and I know I was supposed to get it done by Friday and I didn't get it done. Um, uh, here's what I'm going to do to, to correct it, you know. Uh, and even if there are valid excuses, there's still, it's still a performance problem, right? Yeah. And that mean I'm, and so it doesn't mean I have to, uh, uh, feel shame, but, but I'm going to learn from my mistakes. So I'm loyal to the truth. And I set myself by being loyal to the truth is by making clear commitments. <laughs> if I make clear commitments, then I'm, I have to be loyal to it. You know, um, the, the fifth principle is I'm a lifelong learner. It's great if an organization provides learning opportunities for people, but don't let that stop you, you know, or be your excuse for not learning. When I was getting my doctorate in adult learning at Ohio State, uh, my, one of my uh, area of interest was self-directed learning. And, uh, and all the research showed that about 90% of what people learn is self-directed and also in an informal uh, environment. So it's great to take classes and workshops. Those are all good, but a lot of it is just what you do. So if I need to learn something, I normally look for people who know it that I don't know it, you know, who know more than I do about something and, and offer and ask them for help. And of course I have to do the same thing back and forth. So those are the five fundamental principles um, that drive self-management and also drove a, a number of tools I developed to help uh, implement that. So I want to kind of highlight a little bit because all those five principles, I feel like for people that work sales or somehow commission based, they do have this like that inner entrepreneurship, even within a business, they do have those five principles because they do think of themselves like I work for the customer, like I'm here to serve. Uh, I want to manage my own performance because my commission at the end of the day, for example, bases on my performance. My boss and I are partners. Yes, my boss or the president or whatever. Yes, they're doing the investment, but technically I'm getting a percentage profit of all this investment. So I'm not locking down money down because that's what business is at the end of the day. 
right. loyal to the truth. Uh, that I think that's sometimes not easy for people to do because you pretty much have to call yourself out even if you mess up, right. which uh, we as humans sometimes take to make excuses, but I think it's important to be like, hey, you know what? I messed up. Like, this is what I did. I messed up. Help me learn from this. What did I do wrong here? Right. That's like a whole thing that people don't do. And then lifelong learner, that's, uh, that's super important because I feel like student mentality, it's not in every employee because they feel of as, okay, well, I have my set salary. I'm fine. I don't need to learn. I don't need to do nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that's when you become easily, easily replaced too for somebody that might know more but get paid less because the market plays out there. Right. How can we practice or how can we help like as uh, as executive leaders or the frontline managers, how can they help their, uh, their how can they help employees learn these principles or guide through these principles virtually? Because in in person it's very different, but virtually right. it adds more complication to the equation. How can frontline leaders do that? Well, I've been I've been, I, I've been teaching my I have a series of workshops I do that are on my book, mm-hmm. and and forced to down to it virtually, which has been, that's a good question on how to do that. Um, one of the issues that uh, I, I have come up with early on as I've been teaching a lot of these tools is, is everyone capable of self-managing? And it's kind of implicit in maybe some of the comments you made, right? And, and I, my answer to that is, I think the vast majority of people are capable of self-managing, but whether or not they're ready for self-management is maybe a different thing. And I did some research on what jobs, and I found out that the nature of the job has a certain impact on the ability to self-manage. And I did some research and look, because I was doing some workshops early on in my career before I even wrote the book on goal setting and time management. And I found some people came out of those workshops just raring to go and finding so much benefit from it. And other people came out kind of frustrated, you know, and I was trying to figure out, well, why would that happen? And so here's what I, I did my research for my, my master thesis. And here's what I learned. There are three job characteristics that are critical to uh, that align with self-management. One is task significance. And task significance is really the belief you have that what you do counts, you know, that I'm really creating something of value. Um, and, and when task significance is high, that's moving you to self-managing. The second um, characteristic was autonomy. Some jobs have more autonomy than others. And economy, autonomy is really the degree to which uh, a person has control over the method they use to get the job done. You know, often you might be given goals, but the method of, of how you're going to do it. Uh, and a third was feedback. And I'm not, and actually I'm not talking about personal feedback. I'm talking about the feedback that the job gives you, you know, that the job provides feedback to you. you know? So when I was a young engineer and doing my studies and things like that, I knew by doing them whether or not I was doing it right or wrong. I have a friend who is an artist. Well, he doesn't need someone to give him feedback on whether or not he made a mistake or he did something well. So it's really the natural feedback, much less the the uh, uh, personal feedback on somebody else. 
those three things, when those are relatively high, they don't have to be right at the top, then I found that jobs like that are more open for, to self-management than others. Then the, the other one is an individual skill, which is internal growth need. If a person has high internal growth need, and what I mean by that is that they really want their job to be a source of, of motivation and satisfaction for them. There are some people in their life where, you know, they're working and they're going to school and their job, and they do a good job, but it's not the end all at that point. It's, it's really to get to the next step. But when the job itself is important to a person. So you put all those four factors together, that's the sweet spot for self-management. So I, the, the answer to, a roundabout answer to your question is, if those are high, people can make it no matter what methodology we use, whether or not it's person to person or um, uh, it, it is in a virtual format. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing that now. I'm working with some people on virtually on how to do that sort of thing. So each tool um, requires uh, the first tool, and I, I won't go into detail, is what we call a performance agreement. So a performance agreement is really almost like an organization scorecard. And matter of fact, I help people to develop it much in the same way I help organizations develop their scorecards. They go out and interview the customers. They ask questions that are critical questions. How do I create value for you? What are your expectations for me? How will I know when I've done a good job? What are the performance measures? And what can I do to improve and grow in the job? And so what happens is they develop a document and a document is, and then we turn those into goals and performance measures. And so I think lacking that, it's hard to manage in any way, but I think it's particularly important in a virtual format because now uh, if, if you're the person I'm reporting to and I have five or six key goals that I'm doing and measures, and I'm taking responsibility to feed that information to you, then at that point there, you have a, we have an accountability system that's set up so you don't have to figure out whether or not I'm doing my job. Yeah. It's my job to let you know I'm doing my job. Interesting, I, I taught the course uh, in self-management uh, as an MBA course, and I was teaching one of the tools, and one of the tools is about how to, man how to talk with your boss, how to proactively have a, a meeting with your boss and it's the job of the job holder to run the meeting, not the boss. So when I teach this, I teach that the boss and this, the job holder to do it together. I bring, I, I invite the boss to the classroom or the session. And one thing is, and I teach them how to have this meeting, you know, and, and they have to decide on what the agenda, uh, what the format is and things like that. Well, when I teach this class, very often the boss is in another place, so they brought him in remotely. So I taught him how to do the meeting, not knowing that we we're gonna get into the situation in terms of remotely, you know? And uh, that's the third tool, one of the, my early tools is a priority feedback system. And I have to tell you one thing, the boss loves it. The boss loves it when the person runs the meeting, here's what I said I was gonna do, here was my progress, you know, here's some things I need to, I want to do in the future. And at that point there, if I'm bringing up things, let's say I have shortfalls. Mm -hmm. if, if the job owner brings it up, it changes your job in a very positive way as my boss, because I brought it up, not you. 
you know? I said, you know, I'm having a hard time whether it's making that sale or solving that problem. And then the boss can play a coaching role at that point there. And that changes the nature of that relationship. So I think clarity of expectations and making sure that the, the expectations are understood by all the key relationships really helps virtual as, as just as much as, as live at that point there. Because what I'll do is I'll just send the report to you and you'll be seeing it when I'm talking to you about it, you know? That is so true, though. And you just reminded me something with the shortfalls. Um, I remember last year, my dad unfortunately had a stroke. So I just took a like a lot for the family, like with doctor's appointments and everything. Right. And I remember for like a month, typically, I would be in like the top five for the sales agents in the whole department, like 200 people. But I remember right. that month, I was like, I was like 30th and below. And I remember going to my manager, I was like, listen, it's too much going on with my family. I understand. Like, I'm still meeting all the stats. I'm just not where I'm at right now. Can you help me with this? And the manager, manager was super surprised, says, this is surprising for you to even come here and admit it that you need help because you have a lot in your family going on. So you need guidance towards what can you do to, you know, not let personal life get to this. But I feel like sometimes employees, um, unfortunately, I feel like they also feel titled towards um, I'm titled to, you know, just do my job in my metrics or whatever. But it's a very important that life, uh, the life lo long learner staff for self-management because you always want to improve, improve and recognize, own up, going back to loyal to the truth, owning up to whenever you have a short, you know, short back or whenever you have a fall down. And right. not a lot of people like to admit it because it's also the ego in it. Yeah, there, there is ego. And I think also this tells me the importance of a, of a manager's job or a top leader's job is picking the right people, you know, picking people who uh, have some of the characteristics that will help them for self-management. Um, and the other thing I'll say, when I'm working with an organization, very often I get the top people in the organization excited about uh, my tools and, and want to do it. And I typically, I'll start with them. <laughs> you know, I said, well, why don't you use them for some time, you know, which is the best thing to do, you know? And, and then the other one is don't re ever require people to use these tools. Now you you can require them to be performance, you know, but but make it, uh, they have to ask to be, be to use the tools, to, to be trained on that sort of thing. So give the tools the, the opportunity to people who want it more than the people who need it, <laughs> you know? And what I found is the peer-to-peer -peer communication influences the other people much more than the boss does. You know, because they see that they're, they're getting things done. They're having relationships with the boss. Uh, and and, and I like to see it grow in a more organic way in an organization instead of just saying, putting out that everybody has to use these tools because some people are not quite ready for these tools. And, and what I've done in those cases is we might pick out some of the tools that they might be ready for, you know, uh, or guide them along, you know, and so instead of having them develop a whole performance agreement, maybe take one area of their job and let the boss coach them on that part there, because some people are not quite ready to make that big leap. And this is particularly true with maybe some new people in the job because you're still learning the basics. Mm -hmm. you know? So I, I think there are ways to do this in a way that helps people grow into the job uh, that they maybe they weren't ready to do in day one or the first uh, 30 days. Yeah, you need the fundamentals in order to grow from there. So you are more into the topic and everything. Absolutely. Bye.
why do you think some companies don't even practice regular development for their for their employees because there are companies fortune 500 companies out there or big companies that they're just kind of becoming stagnant and the employees are doing the same thing day in and day out and that's when they start losing those top talents or that's when their you know the revenue goes down why do you think company not every company practices uh you know hiring a consultant or hiring outside source to come and help even temporary what is their biggest like holdback would you think well there's a, there's a couple the the one that you might hear i might hear um is well if i train these people they just go to work for somebody else i'm training them for somebody else you know but if you don't train them they stay in your business right and and so what happens is sometimes they're afraid that they're training them for somebody else and therefore why should i do that you know and and what i tell them is well first thing is the people that you have the most opportunity to lose are your best employees and if you don't give them opportunities they're going to go anyway you know yeah and and then i would say that even if they leave your company what do you think they're feeling about the company is the fact that you gave them good ones they might be a customer someday you know and uh i have one example i was working with um, a construction company that was growing and they got to a point where they needed a business development person, mm -hmm. someone like yourself. And, and so the president of the company, who I was working with for a couple of years up to that point, brought in a, a person that he knew, and he was a really fine person, high quality person. And he, the president of the company asked me to work with him to develop his performance agreement because he was really creating a new job. And so I was working with him. And one thing I told the president of the company and everybody I'd worked with, particularly key hires, is I have to tell you one thing. If I go through this process with them, they may find out that this is not the place for them. So can you handle that? You know? And then, uh, so I went through this process with this person and I, he'd go out and interview interview his key relationships he would do everything i was supposed to do. and i would always send him back to his boss because he's creating his job because i want to get good feedback there and back and forth back and forth and finally i was had this meeting with this fella and we were almost towards the end of creating the agreement and he said his name was randy he said michael i love dan who is a president so much he's such a good person he pays me well He's one of the finest people I know, but uh, this is not the job for me. And I know the company isn't big enough for creating another job. And I just, I'm gonna have to leave. So he went told the boss that he's leaving, you know. Uh, Dan, who is the boss, president, he was kind of upset with me for a while. And, but then he called me and he said, Michael, I know you told me this could happen. You know, mm -hmm. so, and he, he's a good person. And he said, you know, I, get, I think that's probably the right move. I hate to lose this guy. Well, then about six months later, I had lunch with Randy, the fellow mm -hmm. who, and I had lunch with him and he, he had another position. He looked 10 years younger. He was working so hard in an area that was not his. He, it wasn't even that he wasn't performing with Dan, but he was just not where he should be, you know? And so, uh, so 
don't don't worry about, you know don't worry about that so much so so that's one reason is is overcome the fear of losing good people because you don't own them anyway and so treat them well now and it always will come back positive in a ways that you, you don't know you know um, so that's one of the answers to your questions right <laughs> reaction that, that well that story kind of just gave me chills a little bit because right there it's my resignation letter for my last job i have framed no kidding. It. oh wow i see it and um yeah like all the ideas everything that i'm doing now that people are actually seeing like it was not valid and i was struggling to like know like the cell system i turned to a business development system but like the boss wasn't seeing it so i struggled so much and i actually got that comment got a compliment like that about uh, two weeks ago saying like you just look so much more energized and so much more refreshed right. and sometimes you have to take you know to take yourself out of those environments it's not easy and that's why i wrote an article like that's where my anxiety kicked in i wrote an article about anxiety medical kit like smell taste touch see uh you know here what can you do when anxiety kicks in? Because that's what caused it for me. But that's so true though, because you have to take yourself out sometimes. You might lose that employee, but that employee might, you know, 10, 15 years down the road might be the consultant that you needed to get the company to the next level. You just never know. Absolutely. And just doing what, I remember I had a young engineer working for me and he had an opportunity to have a another job in the same company, but it'd be in a different plant. Mm -hmm. Young fella, and everyone was telling him, oh, Charlie, don't move. I mean, you know, this is a great department and they were very loyal to me, you know. And, and then Charlie came to me and he gave me the greatest compliment, asking my advice, knowing I would not try to sell him to stay with me, you know. And so we talked about, I said, so, and the and job looked like it was a good growth position for him. His biggest concern was how would he, how could he get along with his new boss? Because mm -hmm. we had a great relationship, you know, and he didn't want to leave that. And so I coached him on how to interview his new boss to find out whether or not he could work with him. And so I, I coached him doing that. He came back to me. I hadn't thought about this story for years. He came back to me and he said, Michael, I can work with him. So I said, go for it, you know? Yeah. So I, quote, lost a good employee but that's my job. My job is to lose good employees to better opportunities, even though short term, it might seem like it's a loss, but, it, but, uh, but his growth was much more important and it gives me an opportunity to bring another person on and help them grow, you know, Very and, true. and he was, he was ready to go to that next step and he would have done a great job, but he wouldn't have had the opportunity in my department that he had with this new with this new job. And, and I think that's part of it. And, and we see that with our, our children. We see that with, with our friends to help them to, to do what's best, best for them. You know? That is so true. And, and I like how you mentioned interview the boss because sometimes we tend to forget that we also have to interview the workplace. Uh, whenever I would conduct interviews, because I've interviewed people before when I was a corporate <clears> trainer, <throat> but or when I would go for a job interview, I always had three questions for the for the hiring manager, which they always find it weird. Uh, my number one question was, what would be your biggest challenge for the next 12 months, 12 to 24 months? How do you see my position helping towards reaching that goal? And how would you measure my performance to say that I will be successful in that position? 
Great and if, questions. And if the hiring manager did not give me answers for this, even if they offer me the job, I would turn it down. Yeah. Like this is, and people forget to, to ask questions. Like you're not there. I understand paying the bills and everything is important, but you also have to invest on, into a career because you cannot just end up working a job to job to job. You have to look for a career so you don't end up wasting your life into just a job and, you know, not build skills. That's absolutely right. And I think when, when I was, um, after my first job as an industrial engineer, I found out I was really good at, at industrial engineering. And so, so I got pretty cocky, you know, uh, I like to say confident, but borderline cocky. I said, extra cool. confidence never hurts. Yeah, that, and so, and I, and I would go and when I decided I was ready to move on to another job, uh, to me, uh, I'm, I'm really like, is this a good fit for me? Is this a good fit for them? You know, uh -huh. and ask them very much questions like you're talking about, you know, and, and I think those are great for people to do because you got to find out that, that you're worth something and you're valuable and you want to make sure that you have control over your own career. Yeah. And, that's, and that has a lot to do with the book I wrote, but also just kind of the mentoring of, of younger people that I've had the opportunity to work with both as a, um, as a professor, as well as a manager. Matter of fact, I, got one, I got one yesterday from a student I had seven years ago. Uh, and, uh, and he asked me, he was just asked me some questions, you know, and so it, hardly a week goes by where I don't talk to a former student, you know, and it's always, you know, they're asking my advice or uh, anything I can do to help them grow. And, and to me, that's fun. Teaching doesn't stop at the classroom. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's true. And uh, <laughs> a fun story before we go to the last two questions. Fun story, because I say this like I asked the three questions and a friend of mine last year, I told her, I said, hey, hey, ask the three questions to the company. If they answer you good, that means that they have, you know, good upward mobility. The Mahari manager knows exactly yeah. what's going on. Well, the same friend it was about to get into a relationship before he got committed. And she asked the guy, she said, how would you like how would me being your girlfriend you know improve both my life and your life long term and the guy was stunned <laughs> 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 but he had a really great answer so she's like he passed and i was like great you know you technically hired him for a great position <laughs> <laughs> but i love whenever we talk because this podcast is about based on you know take the you know, learn at least one you think per episode, even though we covered a lot of great material today, but apply this in your personal life and your career because they're both intertwined. Yes. Uh, when my friend told me that, I said, oh my goodness. I said, yeah. I was supposed, that was supposed to be for work, but I said, I'm glad I could help in your personal life. <laughs> you know, uh, it's interesting when I, uh, I've taught a class in, on this course uh, on my book mm -hmm. um, and people come in and, and we'd go through the whole thing about their job. But occasionally I would have someone come in to the class and they were kind of either between jobs or ready to get another job. So the, the tools for their current job wasn't quite as had the motivation for it. So what I did was I said, well, just do it for your personal stuff. Yeah. And so I, I had a personal supplement for them. And so instead of a performance agreement, it's your, it's your own personal life uh, agreement with yeah. yourself. And, and basically the, the methodology was pretty much the same, but the terminology was different, you know, and, and it, I encourage people to do it for their life, you know, uh, as well as their job. 
and and it's uh, so I have a whole section of the book where saying here's how you translate the words from this chapter into the tool. Uh, and so so the same five tools, yeah, but, but just a different uh, take to it. Nice. So um, just to kind of summarize for you guys, we did touch on this uh, on this podcast episode. Uh, we did cover the three phases to go from entrepreneurship to sustainability growth and the phases that you to follow one by one, that early meeting, that concept proposal, and the final proposal, which is super important, and the importance of patience, the deeper questioning that we touched there. Uh, we did cover the five principles for self-management, uh, Michael's book also, which we'll go ahead and attach the information on the details. If you guys are feeling lazy, I get it. You're probably driving or working out and listening to us. It's on the, on the show notes. I so click there. But uh, to my audience, don't forget, if you want to see our pretty faces, now we're doing video podcasts too. So hop on YouTube or on our website to do so. As well as we talked about the, comp uh, the uh, capability uh, versus the readiness towards self-management, which we broke it down to steps. This interview has been amazing. We covered some really important information. And I feel like the audience needs to re-listen to it to make sure they take notes. Like I have notes all over here while we were talking on top of <laughs> well, bless your little heart <laughs> good for you <laughs> i have this on top of this this is already pre-set up <laughs> so well, I, I learned a lot myself too <laughs> great that is great I, I learned a lot too well michael i know you're probably not just sitting there and not working on a new project so what is something you're excited that you're working on something you'd like to share with the audience so they can definitely go ahead and get in touch with you or definitely look out for well, uh, of course, I've written the book, um, and what I'm doing now is I'm, I've developed a whole series of workshops around five tools in the book. Uh, and, and what I'm doing is I, I want to help people to uh, use these. So I'm, I'm offering these now with a sponsorship of the university I used to play for, or used to used to teach for, play for, right? Like I was playing tennis. Play in the classroom. Right. Well, there's play there. Anyway, so so they are sponsoring me and they're going out to organizations to use uh, these uh, these tools. Mm -hmm. I've developed a whole series of workshops that can be done either in person or they can be done virtually. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's going to be important. And then I have a friend of mine who's really good at video and and things like that, that we're going to put together some videos to add to my webpage so people can go on. And sometimes you just need a little bit extra stuff, see some examples. And so that's pretty exciting for me. Um, also, as you and I talked earlier on, um, I am, uh, I've got all these things I've written. So I've, I started brainstorming that next book, actually, after you and I talked. Yes. And I've, I've got this mind map of all these items for the next book and, and uh, to put together uh, uh, the next book. And I think one of it is the first book I wrote was really for the job holder, the person in the job holder role. The next book is for the leader of the job holder. What do you do to build a culture of self-management and accountability to encourage people to, to be more self-managing and more uh, entrepreneurial in their in their job and so um, I touch upon that a little bit in my last chapter of my book mm -hmm. but I'm going to now write a whole book on that and that, that would be kind of uh, interesting so I, I'm doing that as we're talking you know and right. I've written a bunch of articles and I'm now I just have to put them down in, in a consistent format so that's pretty exciting knits them all down together I would love to read that book too I like it yeah. well 
we are down to my final question, which is my favorite question to I have to say. What is your definition of success? Good question. Well, first, it's, it's living a life of meaning. And a life of meaning means that I am using my gifts, you know, um, for the betterment of something beyond myself. And, uh, and there's a certain satisfaction you can't get any other way. And I think the last part of that is, I'm uh, I, therefore I have to recognize my own gifts, right? And then to use them. Mm -hmm. And then also to recognize the gifts in other people. And because in our today's society, with all of the tension that we have, uh, especially in the political environment and the other environment, um, we really need to do that. So if I can live a life of meaning and use my gifts and, and recognize gifts, that's as good as I can think I can do, you know? I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you again for being a part of the show. You guys make sure to go ahead and look at the show notes. I'll attach all the information where you guys can absolutely connect with Michael. Tell them Romina sent you and you love this interview because this interview, I think it's amazing. And yes, you guys like it too. But um, other than that, anything else that you like to add, Michael, before we do end the episode for the day? Well, if people are interested, I wrote the book. It's on Amazon. It's called Own Your Job, Five Tools for Self-Management in the Workplace. So a lot of goodies are in there. Uh, and I have a, a website, www.michaelcoburn.com. Uh, and, uh, and I have some blogs on there, and I have information about my book, and I'll be adding things to it as we go. So that would be a good way. And you can always contact me at um, dr.mjcoburn uh, at gmail.com. And I'd be glad to... Uh, talk to you and trust me guys when I say uh, he will get back to you really quick <laughs> he's yes. on top of his work with his emails all the time <laughs> thank you <laughs> I noticed that which I love it if we have a question or while like to set this whole up he would get back to you right away so definitely go ahead and contact and I'll attach the Amazon link go ahead and maybe you maybe you know you should do a group study for the book you guys you know with your coworkers or with your executive leaders or just a couple of leaders uh, executive leaders together because it's really important fundamentals to cooperative learn. learning is really powerful and i found that getting two or three people to do it together is so strong yeah because everybody kind of perceives it differently like how i see it you don't like you see it differently so once you talk about it you touch every concept or every perception and this way you learn more out of it too that is very absolutely true. absolutely I, I agree awesome yeah, well, i enjoyed this this is great <laughs> well thank you so much guys for listening to our m podcast fl it is tuesday if you're listening to this any other day than tuesday well guess what i hope you have a blessed day even if it's not taco tuesday <laughs> but make sure to tune in every week uh, for new awesome episodes and educational episodes just like this one michael thank you so much for being on our show today thank you